By the time we arrived, the sun had slipped away. The only light came from the train, in flashes, as it moved farther on. Even so, I knew which of the waiting figures was Ed. I just had a hunch. He was tall and, though his skin had darkened a late summer brown, fair in a Nordic way, his face lean, his blonde hair yet to fade toward gray. He greeted Nick with, Mind leftover pizza? We already ate. He looked at me then, no effort to hide his appraisal. So, the girl. Hey there, Nick's girl. He said this kindly, though when he shook my hand, the gesture felt like a parody of formal. In his pickup, I rode in the middle, and I found it touching, not rude, how the men talked across me, exchanging family updates and the telegraphic banter of lifelong friends. And Janie? Twins. You heard, right? Jesus. On top of that little Tarzan who's, what, barely two? And Joe's been canned. Oh, that sucks. Dad says the union's lost its balls. Like, imagine if we had a union. Jesus. Right. But Maggie. Oh, God, don't go there. Poor Mom. We drove along for a good quarter hour. And though the windows were down, I was hot, nested between the men. But I was also content, even thrilled. My right hand rested on Nick's thigh, the satiny surface of his oldest jeans. To my left, every time Ed shifted gears, I felt the muscles in his arm move against my shoulder. The pale fur on his forearms glistened in the streetlights. He smelled of garlicky sweat and wood chips. As we pulled into the driveway, he said to me, Did I mention hot fudge sundaes? All my favorite people like dessert. I assumed, self-importantly, that Nick had told Ed everything, everything, about me. Nick and Ed had been friends for twenty years, since seventh grade. Their four parents still lived in the same two modest houses, in a town on the Jersey Shore that was once, when they moved there, equally modest. Ed married his college sweetheart, Rowena, and they had two small daughters. They settled in a town, the town through which we drove that night, just inland from the one where Nick and Ed went to proms, endured acne, and knew the local cops by name, where they tried and failed together at surfing, selling pot, and seducing girls with their glossy electric guitars. Summers, they hung sheetrock in condos that were hastily built too close to the sand. Hurricane snacks, Nick called them. Unlike Ed, Nick had lived in the city since the minute he was old enough to make rent for his cut of five guys sharing three rooms. Thank God he was past that chapter when I met him. I pride myself on seeing past money, refusing to let it rule my life, but there's no hiding that I had a quintessentially privileged youth in the age of the martini. Tax lawyer father, stay-at-home mother, dinners made from superior, synthesized foodstuffs. I was reasonably obedient, insufferably studious, and, accidentally following my mother, wound up at Smith, where being insufferably studious was the norm. A few years later, I married the kind of man I was expected to marry. I looked good on paper. So how could this really be me, 
the woman who had taken the train with the man not her husband, the wrong man, to visit his friends for a weekend. I might have been watching myself in a movie, a French movie from the 70s, the kind I favored so smugly back at Smith. A month before, I had told my husband that I was moving out because I needed time to think. This was true. But what I needed time to think about was whether I could become the reckless, selfish, cruel woman who would leave for good, who would leave for another man. I was borrowing a friend's vacant studio while she was away for the summer. Nick and I went back and forth between that place and his. We went to museums, parks, movies. We couldn't socialize with our city friends. I reasoned that I didn't want to put them in an awkward situation.